Hello, listeners of the Artversations Podcast. <laughs> Holidays, listeners. This is Art Versations, a meditative conversation about the artistic process. I'm your host, Brie, like the cheese, and I'm checking in. Have you made time for rest today? For conversing with friends deeply? This is the final episode before the mystical year that will be 2023. It still doesn't feel like a real number to me. Anyways, before we head into the new year, though, I'll be releasing a best of 2022 where we'll take a look back at this year's episodes. So keep an ear out for that. Today, I've got a special guest for you listeners back on the pod and in between trips to Italy. It's Chantel Good. Chantel is an NYC-based performer, choreographer, and teaching artist. We get into her many roles in various creative spaces. She shares with me her values as an artistic human And I'm so grateful to share them with you all. Our chat over Zoom felt extremely inspiring afterwards. So feel free to locate the comfiest couch in your surroundings. Join us. Here's an hour with Chantel Good. Go from there. But it's like a whole new adventure that I feel I'm about to embark upon. Incredible. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so glad you waited to tell me about this (laughs) until now. Podcasts on. We've begun. Hi, Chantel. <laughs> Hi, Brie. How? Um, I already asked you how your body's feeling. How's your mind feeling? My mind in this moment, I mean, we are doing an evening recording, so it's very calm. It feels very at peace. The mind is resting at this moment. <laughs> <laughs> Just no thoughts. <laughs> yeah, which is honestly, I prefer it over being overwhelmed, you know, so can't complain. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so great. Yay. Thank you for making time in your long day to do this little late night, late night podcast. It's only 7 p.m. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's late. You know, it's like the dinner time, the dinner hour. So did you have dinner? No, not yet. I'm a late dinner person, so it's okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Let me know if you need a snack. Okay. (laughs) I'm good right now. Good. Me too. I'm so... Yeah, I'm so grateful that you can speak with me and we can like reflect on, first of all, like this year in general, coming to 2023 so quickly, but just like checking in, because I feel like we've both kind of been working on different things and like we see each other in passing. And so like to have like just an hour with you is like super, feels like a treat. Yeah, it feels sacred also just being able to dedicate time to a conversation I feel like it's rare I mean even now I feel like I'm spending time with friends just so I can dive in and have a deep conversation because I crave that and I feel like it yeah the check-ins are so nice and necessary so I'm very happy to be here with you (laughs) yeah it's so true like with friends like and and like not always seeing work friends I think is super important for me right now like I'm trying to figure out ways that I like when I do see like someone who is also an artist, I'm not like thinking about how I can like work with them on something. I'm like literally just meeting them. Right. Cause there's like, there's always like this underlying, I think for me, at least in my process, this underlying thought that I need to network 
all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's so toxic, first of all. That is not the way to do it. It's natural, though. It's so natural for us. Right. It's like... Like, it feels necessary, yeah. Which is just wild. I mean, we'll obviously go in and, and dive deep. But yes, I think that comes from our need to always be thinking about work and how we can you know, continue developing community because it is so important. Um, but yeah, sometimes we have to give ourselves this reminder of like, oh, wait, this person is a person before an artist. So let me see, you know, instead of asking them what they're doing next or what they're working on, it's like, oh, how are you doing? How is your heart doing? That's the constant, something I'm trying to check myself on because I receive that a lot. Mm. And I feel like that's, you know, so that I naturally ask people that, but then I'm like, wait, <laughs> there are more important questions than our work yeah completely I've been reading this book called do nothing Mm. by Celeste Headley have you read it no I have not it's breaking down basically like the different work lifestyles over like the past 200 years wow and like from the industrial revolution essentially until now and like Celeste goes into like talking about why we feel the need to like always be thinking about work and I'm only like halfway through, so it, I'm not, I don't know how it'll, how it'll like, how the conclusion will come to be, but this, this idea of like, when are we at rest? Like, when can we be, um, when can we be? Exactly. Simply that. Any thoughts? It's so, I mean, my, th- <laughs> I have so many thoughts. No, we're in zero thought right now. Right. No, no, no thoughts. So many thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I think I mean, I definitely want to read this book also, but that is something that I also am working on and trying to research is this balance between rest and work and, you know, how can my rest be just as productive? Because it's just, we're, you know, we're bred and made to believe because of white supremacist capitalist systems that our worth is connected to how much money we're making, you know, and how much we're producing and generating. That's just the way it is. But as artists, it's hard when our work is also something we love, something creative, something that takes a lot of time and effort, like more than people even know. So it's hard because then we get into this like identity crisis moment of if I'm not making and contributing to this capitalist system, am I still an artist? Am I still doing my job or whatever that means, you know, which is such a meta, you know, we could talk about that the entire podcast, but truly it's something that I think even speaking about is so good, like amongst artists, like amongst each other in community, because the more we can remind each other that like, no, we need the rest. (laughs) We need it. It's vital to our systems, to our art making. Then we're just helping each other, you know? So I think like, even when it gets hard, even just saying that it's hard, like, whoa, I've been grinding for months. I need a break. Just expressing that to someone else is so helpful. At least that's what I try to do. <laughs> yeah, getting it out. Yeah, putting it like as an elephant in the room, and like literally like saying it's it's here. This elephant is here. Yeah, that we all kind of live with as artists. And exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, um, just to jump a little bit into like what you've been working on, like you were just in Italy, travel as well. Like if you're working as an artist, but you literally don't have a home or somewhere that like grounds you, like that can be so disorienting at times like did you find Mm -hmm. going to a new place and being with a different community of artists who maybe look at work differently 
and who maybe like mm. reflect on processes differently. Like, did that that did that seem like a place where you could thrive, or what? Did you miss the the Western Oof. capitalistic white supremacist environment? <laughs> I mean, it's still European, so we still have like the systems are still in place. But I I appreciate you asking this question because there is a huge cultural difference there in terms of their relationship to time and this is solely from my experience I can't speak generally about this but you know even in rehearsal like there's more of a relaxed energy around like when we're showing up and when we you know are rapping and this doesn't have to do with the creative team or like the choreographers or anything it's more so like I was noticing it in the dancers in the space just how they operate like it's just a little bit more relaxed and that's not to say that they're lazy or anything but there's definitely you know I'm so used to this American like we get the call sheet. This is the time you're there. We're going to work for eight hours. And that's that, you know, like there is this sense of rigidity within work here or like the culture here. And that's just not the case over there. So I think it, it made me, I don't know, it's just something I noticed. And I was like, whoa, this is something that's really bred into my bones because it would frustrate me when someone would be late or things would take a long time or the production is going through something, you know, all of those things really irked me. And I now I'm realizing like, okay, I need to give some grace around this and just notice like, okay, I'm in this new space and just see how that affects me and my body and how I operate, you know? So it was definitely a learning moment for me, I would say working over there. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Besides like the different ways that people interacted with time, what else did you learn about like the process it itself, like the creative, the creative side? So, I mean, the project is a feature film. It's a movie. So there's a lot of moving parts, I would say. Um, what's really nice about this production is that the choreographers who are Rick and Jeff Cooperman have a lot of say in terms of how the dance numbers in the movie are being shot. Um, which is rare. Like sometimes they don't have that creative control, but in this case, the director and the DP, like there's so much trust around, you know, what this is going to look like. And so I think that's allowed them so much freedom in terms of how they're making, what they're seeing, what they're, you know, in terms of the shots and angles and all of that and how to tell the story. So I think that like for me being a dancer in the space, but being able to watch them work, I've just been able to see just all of these new facets of like, what choreographing a movie looks like you know it's it's not about it's not necessarily about the virtuosity of the step it's more so about you know how is this moment contributing to the story you know like what is this character trying to say in this moment and I think just being a witness to that has been so cool and helpful for me you know just as a maker in general so that's so neat too that like that the choreographers can have like creative control yeah it's been cool and and make the movement I think from what you're saying necessary mm. and like not absolutely painted as I think some like movies that include movement can just sort of pop it in there as like a little side thought exactly yeah cool yeah so I'm really looking forward to seeing how it does all come together in the end and the final edit um but it's ex it's exactly what you're saying like the movement feels so necessary to the story you know there were so many moments when we were kind of collaborating and we would contribute something and they're like uh it's just too much or like it's not real you know and i i just love that that is in the space and it's such a priority for them you know i think it only makes the quality of the work that much better and i think we'll see that um 
when it eventually comes out in five years. Just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah. 2028. Stay tuned, y'all. Get ready. Mark your calendars. Yeah. <laughs> and just, but you are, you are going back to Italy. Yeah. In two days. Yeah. Very soon. So we basically had a rehearsal period, which was, I think it was about four weeks. I came in a little bit late. So I was there for three weeks, um, just rehearsing the numbers, collaborating, making the, making the thing. And then we had this little two week break, which is actually really nice because I was able to come home (laughs) um, to New York. And then, yeah, we go back for two weeks of shooting and it's pretty nice because it's a condensed schedule. They really made sure that all of the big dance numbers are being shot within this time. So we can all be pretty much wrapped and done before the holidays, which is great. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Movie. (laughs) I mean, you've worked in film before you, yeah. This isn't like completely new territory. Um, no, no, no. I've definitely like been on sets before. This is only my second feature film. The first one I did was also with the Coopermans shout out to them because they've given me some really great opportunity. Um, but yeah, the other one I did with them back in January was also a feature film, more of a comedy. There are musical and dance numbers in it, but it's, completely different (laughs) than this vibe so cool yeah it's just nice to get a new experience and I also am so privileged and grateful that I'm able to travel that like something I love allows me to see the world you know last year I was like in Dubai and then this year I'm in Italy it's kind of insane to me so I feel just really lucky yeah so neat it's so neat to to like globalize (laughs) and and like and and you you learn like you said, like about different processes and different ways that people make art. I think I feel sometimes like very stuck in this like Toronto bubble of like, this is how we do things. Mm. And like, if you even question why we do it, you're wasting time. Right. And so I'm, I'm trying to do more traveling as much as I can, like just to, just to reprogram like what my restrictions would be in my creative process. Mm-hmm. And to just like get a, a frame of reference also. I feel like whenever I go somewhere new, it just allows me to reflect on, you know, my home life or my work life in New York versus overseas or wherever it is, you know, it just gives me more of a reference point, like, oh, okay, this is where I'm at here. Wasn't the case over there, but it kind of just gives you a bit more perspective, which is good and useful, you know, completely. Instead of being on that wheel, Mm -hmm. you jump off of it for a little bit and you're like, oh, it's a wheel that's beside me there. Right. (laughs) Right. And you were telling me a little bit too about like working as a freelancer and like that's been your that's been your main lifestyle, it's been your main schedule, but that might change. Mm-hmm. Wink wink nudge nudge. Yeah, I think I am, you know, as I, I said before we started, but yeah, I'm kind of in this, I feel like I'm on the precipice of beginning a new chapter. Um yeah, I booked a role in Sleep No More in New York and it's Woo! thank you, thank you. Um, sorry audio (laughs) (laughs) wow yeah yeah it's very exciting I have been auditioning for the show since 2017 since I was still in school so this feels like you know the universe is now giving me this great opportunity and you know I moved to New York because I wanted to perform here and wanted to work here and after years of freelancing and traveling not to say I didn't love all of that Um, But I'm really looking forward to being able to plant my feet in the city, perform, you know, dedicate myself to this one job for a year, at least a year, you know, because that's how long the contract is, and then go from there. But it's like a whole new adventure that I feel I'm about to embark upon. Incredible. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm so glad you waited to tell me about this. (laughs) 
until now. Wow. Yeah. Um, and because I know that you were also like working in the Lost Garden. Yes. Show that they did near Halloween, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the McKittrick Hotel, which is where Sleep No More happens, they put on um, these big parties, these big events for Halloween and New Year's. So this was their kind of Halloween party. So we had three shows over the Halloween weekend. And it's basically, it's to give people the same kind of Sleep No More-esque experience. So there's different, each floor had kind of a different theme. The party goers get to just kind of roam free. And there are just these different scenes and snippets that happen throughout the night. So I was invited on board for that, which was kind of great because I got this little taste of what it is to be in the space and perform in the space. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was a very different environment than when you go to see the show just because people are drinking and it's a little bit wild and crazy. Right. Um, but it still was really nice to have that experience before kind of like stepping into this full time moment. So. So it's a year. Mm-hmm. Do you know like what tracks you're playing already or is it kind of up in the air? Yeah. So when you get hired, they basically give you the roles that you're doing, whether you're swing or whatnot. And I am doing, there's two casts. So in one cast, I'm performing Lady Macbeth. And then, and then in the other cast, um, I'm playing uh, the nurse. You know, I only know from what I've seen. I've seen the show many times. I've had so many amazing, talented friends in the show. So I, yeah, I'm like so in love with the material and the work and just the people who have been in that space. So I feel really excited to bring myself and my own body, my own history and experiences into a place that is so rich so juicy so energetic like filled with like yeah yeah multiple dimensions mm-hmm. all at the same time and I feel like I, I mean I was just in the audience but I feel like also as a performer like that experience is so adaptable to a point where it would feel like I'm watching a show and like a part of this observer performer relationship like constantly exactly which is like so fun and not to say that proscenium and like very traditional ways of doing theater is can also like evoke that same experience. But like when I was at Sleep No More this past summer, it it like you leave feeling different mm. just as an audience member. So I can't imagine what it would be like, you know, taking on that track. That's so cool. Yeah, thank you. It's It still feels a bit surreal, but I'm really looking forward to the challenge because I also know I'm going to learn so, so much within the first week, even just learning the tracks and I think immersive work is its own, it is its own genre, you know, I mean, just dealing with an audience, the proximity, especially in that space is something that's really particular to the show. So I'm excited to just feel that sense of presence and aliveness, like when performing. Yeah, I don't know when I'll start performing, but probably maybe February or March, we'll see. Um, just in time for people to yeah. get out of their homes from the winter months and go see the show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> out of hibernation yeah yeah Uh, and like I mean you're gonna be incredible at it because you've been thinking about this show since 2017 you said like this is seems like something that has been like top of mind Mm. it is one of the best dance shows in the world yeah and I could say that because it is I would agree (laughs) I think it's a really spectacular piece of theater I also I was first drawn to it because a good friend of mine Doug was cast in it and then he basically was like do you want to audition I said absolutely um and this was again while I was still in school and I think at the time even the first two years I auditioned I definitely thought that I was ready you know when you go in and you're like 
I could do this job. I'm qualified right. for this job. That little bit um, of ego from school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like a little bit was was definitely in there. But I also, you know, so I was disappointed when I wasn't cast because I would make it to the end of a call or whatever it was. And it just was never the right fit. And I think now that I'm being presented this opportunity where I'm at in my journey currently, I'm like, oh, okay, this is just timing. This is timing that I need to trust that, you know, I wasn't ready then. And maybe I didn't know that, but they did or whoever did. Um, and now I feel like I can really go into this trusting what I can offer, trusting what I'm bringing into the space. And that feels really good. And also knowing that they believe that I could do it now, you know, so that's really nice to feel. Yep. The timing. Yeah, exactly. The divine timing of it all. <laughs> mm, I'm so like, as your friend, I'm absolutely ecstatic, but <laughs> thank you. I also just think that that show is like, so, so important for audiences who don't always see dance shows. Mm -hmm. If you don't regularly interact with dance, like this is the place to do it because it's so human. Absolutely. It's, it's a really incredible experience on all fronts. I also will say I'm proud to be entering the show as who I am, like as a black woman, because I feel like in theater spaces in general, I think we're still lacking diversity and I feel really honored that I can, you know, represent for those people who might have thought that they can't, they couldn't be in the show, you know, because I just talked about how I've received no's from this job. And I think, definitely there was a time when I was like oh it's me it's my identity like I don't fit in the space whether it's my body type or my race you know like I would tell these stories to myself and I think I'm just feeling that not not weight or you know there's a little little bit of responsibility but I more so I'm just proud and honored that I can do this role you know as Lady Macbeth and bring myself into it with whatever that means um that really excites me. So I'm wondering if maybe we can transition into your work with share the movement. Mm, mm -hmm. um, just kind of going off of the topic of those artists in, in within the white supremacist capitalist system that don't always get the same opportunities as those who feed into the white supremacist capitalist system. Mm -hmm. And share the movement that I was I was researching a little bit about it aims to create an incredible and supportive multi-year dance journey for young BIPOC dancers. Mm -hmm. This this work is starting like right from right from the start if an artist is interested in working in this field. That's incredible. We have a lot that we want to do as an organization. You know, we just to give a little bit of background, you know, we developed the organization during COVID. You know, we were all at our homes. My good friend of mine, Kate Harputlian, who's the executive director of Share the Movement, she kind of brought her friends together to just start talking about, you know, what is lacking in our industry? How can we support young BIPOC dancers? And we, it was just a full brainstorm moment um, that eventually led us to developing Share the Movement, like truly from the ground up. So it is still very new, um, but there's so much that we want to accomplish. One of the things being this kind of multi-year dance journey, our dream is that we could really support someone from when they first decide to dance to end of high school, you know, like developing that relationship, you know, so it's not just a one-time kind of thing. We really care about nurturing relationships with young dancers that we're interacting with and 
you know, not to say we're forcing them to become a professional dancer, but we're, we just want to provide the access and resources that they could, if they wanted to, if they wanted to pursue this thing. And I think, you know, reason why I was so down to get on board in the beginning is because I would not be where I am today without the amount of people who contributed to my dance education, like as a kid, you know, studios are so expensive. Ridiculously. As you know, like dance studio life, you know, then going to a college in New York for dance, you know, it just, it all adds up. So I really am so grateful to the village that helped me get to where I am today. And I feel so happy that I can contribute in some way and give back through share the movement Mm -hmm. just to get into like the programming a little bit. Like we've been able to offer summer scholarships to young BIPOC artists over $20,000 in our first two years of operation, which is so incredible. Um, We have just started a mentorship program. So we basically have a community of professional dancers who, you know, are from LA, New York, everywhere, all spans of the industry. And they have been mentoring some of our, whether they're scholarship recipients or just dancers who are looking to be mentored. Um, We have that program happening. And then we also are just trying to offer free class, you know, to everyone, but specifically BIPOC dancers. And not even, I keep saying dancers, but even people who want to dance, people who don't identify as dancers, people who just want to move, um, you know, just kind of opening that door to them to like, see if that's something they're passionate about. So I was able to teach a class like in partnership with grant makers for girls of color. They had this kind of event in New York. And so we had this partnership. I went, I taught a little movement moment, um, (laughs) which was so fulfilling. So, you know, I think we're trying to approach it from a lot of different ways. And I think we are, yeah, in our own way, making an impact. And I just look forward to the growth and evolution of the organization that I know will continue to happen. Yeah. I mean, if it's already started to take off like 20,000 like that's incredible that not only are there artists involved in like trying to keep it alive but also like the communities around obviously from that number like want to want to give back and want to donate and if you're listening right now and you have the financial means there's a fundraiser going on until yes there is I think it's like boxing day yeah we're I mean we're just calling it a holiday fundraiser just in the spirit of giving um so you can access it through our website sharethemovementnow.org or through our instagram which is at sharethemovementnow it's very easy through that platform as well but yeah if you have anything to contribute even just sharing the the fundraiser is so helpful because really, I mean, the only reason we're able to give out those scholarships and continue supporting these dancers is because of the community, because of people contributing. So I'll link that, that fundraiser below, um, share the movement, share, share the movement, literally share it. I love that (laughs) title. Um, I think that's incredible, incredible work. Let's switch gears a little bit. Yeah. Oh, you just choreographed with Pro Arte. I did. I did indeed. How was that? It was really wonderful so Prarte Danza is a company in Toronto for those who don't know um the way I got involved basically Roberto the director had reached out to me a while back it's probably last year asking if I wanted to do kind of a week-long workshop or kind of just play time creation space um with a couple of the company members and I you know who wouldn't jump at the opportunity for kind of this free no pressure space to make something so yeah, last April, we got in the studios, me, Carlene and Connor, two dancers from the company. Shout out to Carlene Zubelis. Woo, shout 
out and Connor Mitten shout out so talented <laughs> um yeah so in the week we ended up making around yeah 10 11 minutes of material hmm. I loved what we made in that time they were incredible collaborators just so down to play and I definitely thrive as I think most artists thrive in an environment where there isn't pressure where you truly feel as though there are no mistakes there's no standard I'm trying to adhere to you know I really felt a lot of trust from Roberto and the dancers which just made the ideal creation space you know so wonderful we had that week and then I think a couple months later yeah sometime during the summer Roberto just gave me a call and he saw the duet and asked if I would be okay if they performed it in their fall season and I said absolutely <laughs> you know it was my first time presenting work in a professional realm in Toronto. I mean, I've been choreographing since I was a teenager in more so studio settings. Um, but this was kind of my first time. Yeah, having my name on something. I was really, yeah, just grateful for that. And so I went back to Toronto um, to kind of just give it a little refresh, just give them some notes. But really, and I think this is something that I love about kind of how not quick the process was, but kind of, I mean, I had the week and then I kind of just came back to have a couple rehearsals with them before the shows. It's it still felt really alive and really present in their bodies. For me as an audience member, as the choreographer, I not once felt bored with it. Like I constantly was just like, ooh, there's so much more to dive into. Like in my mind, what they performed was just a first iteration. It was just this first version of something that could be larger. I don't know if it will be, but right. you know, I think that that rawness that sense of like ooh, anything could happen at any time it's something that I was really excited about with this work something I also value as a maker is that it has that that essence so yeah it was just incredible I mean I unfortunately couldn't see them do it during the season because I had to fly to Italy but you know I was there to tech it and I was able to see it on stage and it still moves me to this day like emotionally you know um I'm the workshop week that we had in April was very soon after my stepdad passed away. So I was in this real place of grief and I see. mourning and I just felt his spirit was so present with me. So the, I knew that I didn't want the duet to be romantic. I knew it wanted to explore this theme of memory and like, whether it's, you know, the sensation of someone's palm or a smell of something, you know, cause I had all these, remnants of Dave of my stepdad and they were so like they were just with me in the space you know so I feel like right that definitely contributed to what it ended up being thematically and I think that's also why it resonated with people you know like people were so sweet in terms of the feedback I received afterwards and yeah there was just this kind of human honest quality about it which I also credit Connor and Carlene with because they performed it beautifully but yeah so it meant a lot to me, hopefully, you know, could give someone else an experience as well. So really happy about that process and experience. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine like how, yeah, how vulnerable and like malleable that process would have been to have. Yeah. The, the grief mm -hmm. right there. Mm -hmm. And it, and I think, um, I didn't get to see it as well. I'll be honest. I was through seeing a couple other shows that week and I really wanted to see because, Carlene and Connor like have such trust in each other and I think mm -hmm. their chemistry is like already so it's already so like present that the two of them have it mm -hmm. so to work with like those artists I think would be you could kind of go to that place of like 
these are the emotions right here. These are the, the feelings of numbness right here. They're, they're present in the room with us. Yeah. Let's go. Let's dive. Absolutely. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think their chemistry is so palpable, like both as people and as artists. Yeah. I think what I loved, you know, in the duet, there's a lot of, in my mind, there are different scenes. Like there's little vignettes and each one is some version of a memory, whether it's how I remembered it or how someone else may remember it. And it's something that, you know, I kept just reminding them. I'm like, what do you two connect to in this? What is this moment to you two? Because I'm not performing it. <laughs> you are. So how does this, you know, movement resonate with you when she touches your shoulder or whatever it is, you know? And I think being able to, I guess, trust that they have these shared experiences, like in their own lives, <laughs> both together and individually, like all of that was so welcome in the space as well. And I think contributed to what we were able to make together. Yeah, they're just awesome. <laughs> so I'm a fan, a fan girl of those two. <laughs> big fan, big fan. Yeah. I mean, and there's something so great about watching a duet. Like I, mm. whenever I can see two people on stage who are present with each other, but also allowing the audience to see that relationship and like see it for its ups and downs. Like that is so, it's wonderful to be in, in the audience of that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I really wanted to see it. I really did. And I know that there were other works of the program too, that were like very um, kind of out of the box for Perarte's usual mix. So I'm, mm-hmm. I was really excited to see that lineup and to see your, your name on, on the choreographer list, because I, um, as a, a person who, you know, wants to see Toronto contemporary dance, like take off into new paths and new avenues I think Perarte is starting to do that and that's super cool yeah absolutely I mean I think Roberto definitely wants to continue this initiative of kind of offering these week-long I think he calls them choreo labs oh cool yeah I think he really is prioritizing emerging I don't really like the word emerging now that I'm saying it because mm. what does that mean what does professional mean mm. but um you know just providing space for makers to just do what they want to do you know and I think that space is so valuable so needed um, especially when things cost money (laughs) you know it's like so hard to make anything as you know I mean you produce and it's so much work (laughs) so so much um I just don't take that for granted at all (laughs) Mm, you're right and like some artists do Mm -hmm. unfortunately I think there's I don't know if it's intentionally that they forget about how precious and sacred it is or perhaps maybe just the stress of like having to finish kind of takes over. Mm-hmm. Cause I've been in that place too, where I'm, I'm at a deadline and then my choreography, my, my producing, my, you know, my process of trying to make something that's palatable to like a lot of people, it becomes something that is, that I didn't intend it to be maybe. Yeah, no, I can completely relate. Yeah. Just cause all of those things are just distracting you from, the core of what you want to make, you know, it's like, whether it's that time constraint or financial things, Mm. it's so hard. It's so hard to navigate, you know, because then, and I know that you've seen a lot of dance too. And for me, when I see, I feel like I'm able to see those, (laughs) those kind of constructs and like how they affect the work. I feel like I'm able to see when something was made with haste or without patience, like, Mm. I don't know. I feel like I'm sensitive to that as I'm sure we all are, but it's just unfortunate, you know, because how incredible would it be if we could make the art that we wanted to make with all of the resources that we need 
but we're just not supported in that way, <laughs> you know, on a systemic level. Mm. Oh my gosh, we could get into this. Yeah. <laughs> we could absolutely get into this. I, and I, I love like very bare bones theater or very bare bones dance. I think that it doesn't require too much to make something like interesting, entertaining, full of thematic nuance, but the resources sometimes aren't there. So like the show that you wanted in your dream, dream world doesn't always get to be made. And yeah, how do, how do we like move on from that? But also like question that, you know, maybe this is a, a systematic problem about the way that we view live art. Because it also, the lack of resources usually forces us to sacrifice. Yes. Whatever, like, you know, whatever it is, our- We're very good at adapting. Idea, our, our dream, our vision. Yeah, we're, we're so good at adapting, but we shouldn't have to be so good at adapting, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just a constant, this is a constant struggle that we will be enduring. <laughs> probably forever <laughs> not to be so dark I'm glad to do it with good friends <laughs> yeah exactly at least we're in community that's really it's honestly what has saved me in my low moments as a freelancer you know someone who's been hustling I think just knowing that other people are experiencing the same thing you know and we can help each other whenever we want you know it's like that really helps me just reminder like, okay, we're not alone in this. Because again, because of these systems in place, we're made to feel like we're just on our own journey. You know, we got to just stick to our own path when really no, like we can ask for help, we can reach out to our friends, our other fellow artists who are making things, we can collaborate, you know, like there's ways in which we can resist those messages that say we have to be so individualistic about our art because we don't like at all. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think that's what makes it amazing. And I'm sure you can relate. Like my favorite experiences are because of the people, because of what we were able to co-create together right. versus me just alone. <laughs> Absolutely. And this, this time of like disconnection and uh, isolation, you know, I think is important. Like it's important to have your own process as an individual creator, but like if I'm just worrying about myself all the time, my art suffers because I'm not engaging with the people around me and they can engage with me and then we can make it more layered. And like it, it becomes this like humongous mm -hmm. exponential jump if we, you know, remember that community. Yeah. And, and just like yeah. putting that at the, at the forefront of our creation is that we're doing this together. We probably won't have a lot of time or money, <laughs> you know, we, we don't have money, but I'd rather be doing it with others than alone right ew don't make art alone ew i know <laughs> you know i think about like i made a solo work last year and performed it a few times and even when i'm making a solo there's still so many other people involved you know the people who are offering me the resources the mentors the outside eyes who like help you discover what the work really means or you know there's still other people involved <laughs> even when you are physically maybe performing something by yourself yeah, the people who like the show, that's a huge thing. I feel like I've I've really recently, like, I don't know if it's when I produced a show, but I have been really prioritizing, like, a good relationship with my lighting designer because, like, you got to be able to see what's going on. And even that process, too, is, like, so, um, there's so many different parts to it. If they, if the person who's designing it doesn't have all their resources... And me at the front of the group, like having to make sure that they feel like they can do their best work as well. Like 
it's so important to take care of the people who are making the thing because it's all so precious, not just the work, but the relationships. Yeah. And like every aspect is contributing to the larger thing. You know, it's like, we're all, we all have one common goal from all of these different technical aspects, choreographers, lighting designers, set designers, whoever it is, you know, we're all in the, (laughs) we're all going towards the same objective. So I think yeah, all of the elements are supporting one another. And I think the more we remember that, it's like, oh, okay, then there's, it also alleviates some pressure also on the choreographer side of things. Like I felt that with the priority piece, um, when I was teching it, when I was working with the lighting designer, I was like, ooh, this moment is actually so much more powerful now with this, whatever it is in terms of the lighting. You know, I actually, I just saw a show at the BAM Opera House in New York. It was Emmanuel Gott, who is the choreographer the show was called or the piece was called love train i believe and i was so 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 moved by the lighting and set design it was so incredible Mm. where i was like i could watch this opening idea of them the dancers were literally just walking up stage but because of all of the other elements it was the most profound thing i've ever seen (laughs) you know Yeah, um, that that was the thing that stood out like yeah exactly like that was the image that was it I was like this is the show let's call it curtain closed <laughs> like, I'm good um the dancing was phenomenal as well but that's what really stuck with me you know so I think exactly what you're saying that every single role is equally as important when you're making something that <laughs> um yeah it's like we all have to just show up and do our part and contribute in the ways that we can people are are precious even though like sometimes it's a heightened sense of we're making something that's bigger than people no it's it's still the people that are at the forefront of it agreed 100 <laughs> percent. you mentioned a common goal and i want to do a little pivot and hopefully this is a smooth transition to the common ground dance festival <laughs> <laughs> i think that was an incredible pivot brie <laughs> Thank you. Come on, wordplay. <laughs> <laughs> the Comic Ground Dance Festival happened this October with Toes for Dance, David Norsworthy and Kristen Carconi, two people who we know very well. Um, and you uh, were acting as artistic associate, not just for that festival, but for Toes in, in general. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I didn't get to see the festival. I saw like the, the beginnings of it. And then I, I had to go bury a family member. But, um, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, it is what it is. Um, but tell me about, tell me about that process. Yeah. So I have been an artistic associate with Toes since 2019, just before the pandemic happened. And, you know, the organization has been a part of my life since I was 12. Like from the first time I went to Fresh, I was a student, I was a participant, became an, a, teacher's assistant, then a faculty member. So it felt really natural to take on this new role. And when I first took it on, I think all three of us, like me, David and Kristen, were all curious about what the role could be. It wasn't really defined. It was more so just, okay, we can give you more responsibility and, you know, some more agency with like curating programming. So I was, you know, the three of us would meet, I think bi-weekly, um, you know, so I did have say in terms of who we were hiring, like faculty members, who the artists would be to perform at Common Ground. Um, and I just loved being a part of that and, you know, just sharing my thoughts um, on like the organization level versus just 
teacher at Fresh, which has always been so fulfilling. But, you know, it was kind of nice to step into this new space. So that's kind of been the past couple of years. And then now this year, I'm taking over as program director for Fresh. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So David has been running it for, you know, 15 years since its inception. And he's ready to more so focus on the festival. So now I am now directing Fresh. And I feel like just so honored. It feels like a homecoming. (laughs) Like it just feels, Mm. you know, that I have the skills that I need to take on this position. Um, I'm really looking forward to, yeah, just kind of bringing in my own experience, both as a teacher and a performer. Um, I'm excited to give opportunity to other artists in Toronto who I know have things to share, you know, because like personally, I started teaching at Fresh, you know, like David gave me my first teaching job when I was 16 years old. And I look back on that, you know, it's it's wild. I don't know what I was sharing when I was 16, but (laughs) it's so much. So many teenage year experiences. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. But, you know, he gave me that chance. And so I'm really excited to give that to others, specifically BIPOC educators who, you know, haven't been given that platform and that space. So, yeah, I'm just excited to see. I think we're still going to just have the one event in Toronto in the summer. Um, But I'm really, the work has already begun. So we're starting with that. And I'm really yeah, just excited for the, for the next chapter of what the program could be. And also just, you know, I want it to be aligned with our current dance landscape and, you know, what's happening, what's current, not like TikTok current, but, you know, right, right. Just in terms of what I think people need as students, you know, there's so many lessons that I'm learning now at my age that I wish I knew when I was 12, you know, Um, especially in studio competitive dance settings. Um, There's a lot of harm that can occur there. As you know, you experienced it as well, like just growing up in that environment. So I'm excited to hopefully give young dancers, you know, just more freedom and remind them that (laughs) of their worth and that they can make mistakes, that it's not about perfection, um, all of these things that I was lucky enough to learn at Fresh as a kid. I think I'm just excited to continue that. It's such a special place. Cultivation. Yeah, it's so full of like discoveries about not just, for me, it wasn't just about being an artist, but also as a human and like how I interact with strangers. Because mm-hmm. from that competitive studio environment, you're always with the same people. And then you go to a Fresh event and you're like, I don't know you, but like we can still connect and engage with each other and learn from each other and not have it be this, you know, yeah, this like competitive, toxic, harmful situation. And and like, it truly, I think that's why I've come back every year to Fresh and to Toes because I just need that. I need that in my life. And I know that it's super necessary for other artists as well. Mm -hmm. Um, It's 10 years now that Toes has been going on and and it's only getting bigger, you know, having you on as well. And I think like there's no stopping it now. Oh, absolutely. I'm, yeah, we'll see kind of where the organization goes. I, I mean, like you said, yeah, I just credit so much of what I know about teaching dance, about leadership in dance spaces to those two. Like, honestly, from when I did my first kind of teacher training with them, just the lessons around how to really lead with compassion and care and like meet students where they're at versus telling them that they have to achieve this product or this thing. Um, Like that philosophy, the toes, the toes for dance kind of philosophy has just given me so much, like more than I can even fathom. And I've been able to take that with me in all of my other teaching spaces. So yeah, just so much gratitude 
to them. And I'm like also excited to now have the agency to kind of put all those lessons into practice and yeah, make something new. And the festival too is like also such a, an interesting new element that they've added because I think it, it kind of, it still is obviously an educational place and a place for learning, but now it, it feels a little bit more like, okay, we can take what we know and we can watch it be seen on stage. And like it, you know, I'm thinking of like, if I was a dancer who went to fresh in the summer and then I come to the festival in October and I get to see like the teachers who taught me like perform, like just that cycle of here's what we worked on. It might be in the performance, might not, but at least I get to see it in action. I mean, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's lifting everything up off, off of its feet into a new, a new realm. I, I, yeah, I, I just love that the festival is a part of the lineup as well and that it's happening every year. Yeah, me, I mean, likewise, I think even in our second year, like this past October, the amount of growth, like we were able to offer so much more opportunity for artists to perform, you know, from the workshop classes, the open rehearsals, the live, the main stage program, you know, it's really, it's already expanded so much in a year, you know, and I think what I love is just the fact that we are bringing more dance to Toronto, specifically North York. Um, and it's free, like free programming. Like, I think that is just incredible, Truly, you know, to be able to see live dance for free. Um, and the caliber too, you know, cause we're bringing in these incredible Toronto based artists from all different kind of areas of the dance world as well. So I think that's what really gets me hype about the future. It's like how much, more access we can provide and both for artists and for the community in Toronto. That's so true. I had a lot of North York residents come up to me and asking me like, what is this? What's going on in in the Lee Life's and Life's and Art Park, this big humongous park that has like so much artistic energy around it. And I could tell they weren't necessarily like dancers or like they didn't really have the immediate response to be like, oh, this is dance. And so I was talking to them about what it is and they thought, and from their expression, it seemed like they thought like this was not like possible or something like that. Like it was some kind of, the fact that it was free was, was odd to them. Mm. Um, the fact that it was dance outside was odd to them. But I think like yeah. <laughs> that in itself, that realization that like we have always been there, there's always been dance, there's always been movement um, for the community. Um, and in community spaces, but just knowing that like they can come and, 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 and what's great too, is that they can sit, they don't have to stay forever, but they can also pass by, you know, like it is just such like a revolving door. Yeah. And I think it's an incredible event for, for just that, that environment that North York's very suburban, you know, like just off the subway, but like still not very accessible, but it's, uh, <laughs> Yeah. But it's, it is so accessible, like you were saying. Yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, just family friendly too. And yeah, I think that's what David and I are really proud of this year around was, you know, like w- for one of the main stage programs, the audience sat down and then it started raining <laughs> unexpectedly as it does in Toronto, it started raining and we kind of had to make a decision on our feet. Like, should we cancel? Should we, you know? And we decided to just pause for 15 minutes because that's what the weather app said, um, that it would stop. And so we literally came on and announced to the audience like, hey, um, we're going to take a little pause. Feel free to go inside, get some coffee, you know, because it's so close to the North York Center as well and a coffee shop, whatnot, Um, you know, but we'll be back, you know, in 15 minutes. And I'm not even kidding you, like the audience came back and more. And we were just in awe 
that people were wanted to support and wanted to be there and see dance. I don't know. It was just like really powerful. It's, it's a moment that will stick with me for sure about this year's festival. So you can't really have that same experience in a theater. Exactly. <laughs> right. Like that's what makes it so like memorable is yeah. that yeah. the choice to return after the nature element. After being so. outside in the rain and cold. Cause it was cold too. <laughs> it was cold. It was cold. Not going to lie. So they were yeah. just such great audience members and troopers for sticking it out with us. But yeah, it was great. It was so successful. Mm-hmm. I love that that festival so much. Yeah, Toes is an incredible organization. I um, I will continue to to be a part of its community as much as I can. And um, we are so happy to have you. Like you are such an integral part of it as well. And I hope you know that. Thank you. I also am going to make another plug <laughs> um, because Toes for Dance. We have launched this. Um, we call it the Brighton campaign. Yes. Um, which refers to like Brighton. It's a little play on words. Yeah, we love play on words. Because of the ten, <laughs> the 10 year anniversary. So again, if you go to go to toesfordance.ca slash donate, um, it'll take you to the campaign. And what's nice is that you can make a single, t- a one-time donation, but you can also sign up for monthly recurring donations, you know, whether it's literally $5 or whatever it is a month, all of that contributes to the larger picture and allows us to continue with all of this awesome programming. So if you have the funds or the means, and again, even just to share on social media is so helpful as well. Um, but yeah, check it out. <laughs> Absolutely. I will also link that below. So much, so much, so much to give to this, this holiday season. It's great, <laughs> but, but like, yep. but like worth it organizations and fundraising opportunities. And, and, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be plugging all of these things on my podcast if they weren't actually worth donating to exactly um yeah <laughs> absolutely what are you working on uh, just as a human and like how, how is it how is it in your in your in your human life not just your artist life <laughs> that is a good question Bree. <laughs> I think in my human life I am really just prioritizing my joy and what brings me joy yeah, I think that's the best way I can put it. I think I'm really just trying to be in community and spend time with my friends, people who inspire me, not even, yes, work-related, obviously, but also just to continue showing up as myself in the world. And, you know, they remind me that I have things to contribute, whatever that means. Um, yeah, just spending time in my apartment, resting, as we've said. Um Rest. Yeah, I just think the more I rest, the more I'm able to do my art and do what I love to do. So I love sitting on the couch. I'm a huge advocate. I will also say, sorry, I need to acknowledge that I'm very privileged in being able to rest in the ways that I do. I would be remiss not to say that because, you know, some people can't take a day off work. And I think I'm very lucky to be able to do that. Um, So I'm recognizing that, that not everyone has that ability to rest and to take days off yeah but I'm able to in the ways that I can I try to create boundaries around work um and like I said even if it's not a full day like taking the five minutes or whatever it is to just come back to myself come back to my home um in whatever ways that I can I think is really keeping me sane these days (laughs) such a valid point and you know if you weren't scheduling time for rest 
you know, and just continuing to work when you didn't have to. I mean, I feel like that's where that's where we're like feeding into the systems, you know? So it like, mm-hmm. I, I think it's a valid point to mention. Yeah. Like you said about privilege to be able to rest, but also like actually putting it in my schedule and like dedicating that time for me so that I am ready to be a working person and work when I need to. And then like not be such a zombie with the people around me. Because we, yeah, as artists, like we're not, we're not machines. <laughs> Nah, we're not. I don't want to be a machine. Yeah, we're not this, these pieces that can be manipulated. We're people. And yeah, like I said earlier, like the rest is an act of resistance. And I think that's really powerful. It's a powerful reminder for myself and for anyone else listening to this little podcast. Um, you know, it's just as important as anything else, just as productive as anything else, just as meaningful and worthy as anything else. <laughs> completely. I completely agree. I'm trying to find like figure out where that lives for me mm-hmm. because I still feel like I'm you mentioned the word emerging earlier like I still do feel like I'm in the process of of emerging mm. um fully I haven't found my full full form yet but <laughs> on the way to that I still need to rest and I still need to um make it a part of my schedule yeah 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 you don't like the word emerging it's a deep, it's a longer thing, but I think <laughs> I think I I don't like it in relationship to the word professional because in my mind, professional, like who is setting that standard? What does that mean? Ooh. You know, what makes someone professional? Are we talking about specifically in a Western dance context? Like, if I'm in a concert dance company, am I now a professional? Like, I don't believe that. You know, right, right. But a lot of people do, so I think there's just this comparison. Like, if you're not at a certain quote unquote standard then you're emerging still you haven't made it or whatever that means so i think and this is something i'm just trying to reprogram in my own brain and practice is like yeah i don't know i don't think that that distinction is necessary i don't think anyone is less worthy because they don't have a certain position within the field or whatever it means you know i think we're technically all emerging because we're all in our own process of like discovering what it is we want to do um (laughs) so humans yeah exactly we're, we're all in process always. So I think that's just where my, yeah, dislike comes from. I don't think it's the word in general. I think it's just how it's used in certain contexts. I think it's demeaning in certain ways, you know, when I'm like, no, you're, you're not emerging. <laughs> you are an artist and you're doing your art, you know, so. I see. It's almost like ageism. Like it almost kind of puts exactly a real emphasis on who's youth and who's established and. Yeah, who's seasoned when really some of those seasoned folks aren't, aren't nailing it you know like right. they, they work from this archaic ideologies or whatever it is you know so no, I know I know where you're coming from completely yeah and I like I'm now questioning like why do I need to put that as my title I don't know there, there's a weird gap that happened between graduation and and now because of the pandemic and I like I don't know if I'm still like settling into that feeling of like well I'm I'm still graduating <laughs> two years later <laughs> but yeah that'll change I'm sure I hope yeah it's like it's a it's such an ebb and flow I mean I think I I'm sure you share the philosophy but like we are I feel like I'm always a student like I'm all constantly learning I don't think I'll ever get to a place where I'm like cool I've done it right yeah (laughs) I've done the thing like I am a professional or whatever yeah ew (laughs) I just it that feels so weird you know just putting that kind of expectation and standard on it you know we're all just on our own journey so I feel like 
you know, we can identify however we want to, Oh, yeah. um, whether that is as an emerging or professional, I think we have that agency. And so it's really just up to the individual. Like to me, I, I think like because of, for example, because of my visa, things like that, I'm like, Oh, I'm a professional dancer, Mm. but really I'm just an artist just trying to do my thing every day. Do your thing. You are an artist. <laughs> Thanks, Bree. Mean, you're welcome. Where can people find your artist projects and things and, and connect with you as a human as well? Yeah, absolutely. Connect. Connect as a human. Um, <laughs> I mean, the platform I use the most is probably Instagram at Chantel underscore good. It's where I post any upcoming projects or snippets of past work, classes. If I'm teaching all of the above, you can find there and you can totally shoot me a dm if you would like to chat collaborate get coffee whatever it is um yeah that's probably the best place to reach me as well check out the fundraiser links both of them for share the movement and toes yes. Yes. um anything else to say out to the void happy holidays <laughs> Happy 2023. <laughs> Happy holidays. <laughs> thank you for thank you for rounding up this 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 new year, this whole year. And being being the last guest of 2022. I am so so grateful for this time. Oh. Thank you, <laughs> thank you so much. Oh, I I feel so honored. So thank you for having me. Yeah, I am just such a fan of yours and this podcast and just what you are offering the world. So know that you are appreciated and loved and all of the above. <laughs> right back at you, friend. I hope to see you soon. Likewise. Good luck in Italy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Art Versations podcast. Please help the podcast community continue to grow by clicking subscribe or follow on your podcast platform and leave a review. As well, follow the podcast on Instagram at artversationspod. You'll find photos of the guests you just heard, plus highlights and quotes from each episode. Let's keep the artversation going. Send in a DM with your thoughts about art and any questions you might have for guests. Special thank you goes out to Jen Marquez and Maxim Bartnowski for their contributions. And thank you, listener. Till next time. <laughs>